You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose podcast. For more sermons and content, go to sojournmontrose.com. We are entering into a new sermon series, which um, if you've been here any time in the last really three or four months, five months, I guess, um, we've been walking through the book of Romans. And so uh, I have to just kind of remind myself that that's not what we're doing so that I can uh, interact with really the the newer series that we're going through. And so... um, We are starting a new sermon series today entitled uh, Stewardship, uh, All That We Have for All That He Is. And so um, ultimately what we want to do is just take the next three weeks and kind of look at what it means for us to be a steward. And and, uh, for those of you that that don't know, the the word steward or, or the meaning of steward is just to be someone who cares for another person's belongings. And so um, what we want to do is begin to sort of zoom back and understand what it is that God has given us in its, in its holistic nature beyond even just the grace of the gospel and what it looks like then to care for those things in such a way that brings God ultimate glory. Now, um, before we do that, I do have to say this because um, at Sojourn, we are all about Jesus. And so what we, what we need to do as we look in, uh, as we look in at all of these sort of different prescriptions and, and, and things that we could do or we could tweak to sort of bring God more glory, what we need to first understand is that everything that we do proceeds out of who we are, meaning, meaning that our identity in Christ has already been made secure by Christ. So the, the more good things that we do is not, is not to build for us our own salvation. It's, it's actually to live in light of the salvation that we've been given. And so that's what, that's what Romans was all about. It was about how we could not justify ourselves, meaning we couldn't create a situation where we could become something of worth to God. But God, through Jesus, gave us worth and gave us righteousness. And because of that, we're accepted by him. And so um, in the same way, in our stewardship, we need to remember that truth as we move into what we're going to talk about. Because more often than not, this is probably the, the, the ground upon which most people stumble in regards to what it looks like to be a Christian and still deal with our own heart idols that tell us we need to own or have or keep or, or take hold of these things which have been given to us by grace. And so um, with that said, there's, there's three things we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks. Um, today, uh, the sermon is entitled, um, We Steward God's Common Grace. And so what, what we want to do really at this point, is sort of is zoom out to 30,000 feet and look at how the grace of God has displayed itself to us, not only in the gospel, but in a manifold way, meaning in many different ways, and, and how it's been exhibited not only to those who would believe, but also to non-believers. That the grace of God has been expressed to all peoples in all generations by God's grace. Okay, and so uh, that's kind of where we're heading this morning. We want to then look at what does it look like for us as believers, for those of us who are believers, to steward that common grace of God. Now, for those of, for those of you that uh, maybe are unfamiliar with the term common grace, there's a very simple definition for it, very simple definition for it that goes like this. This common grace is essentially God's goodness towards all people. God's goodness towards all people. That's, that's common grace. God's goodness towards all people. 
So uh, today in talking about common grace, we're going to talk through three different points. And the first one is called common grace in creation. So God's goodness towards all people in creation. That's what we're going to look at. And that's why we're starting with, with Genesis 1, which more often than not for, for a, a stewardship sermon is probably an odd place to start. Um, but what we'll see will hopefully be very helpful for us. So Genesis 1, 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So what's the, what's the first thing that, that, that happens here? Now, just to catch you up on the story, we're, we're really early in the story, so there's not a lot of catching up to do. But uh, at this point, God has created all things and he's created them, he's created them perfectly in harmony. Right? Like that's what uh, the, the last verse of this chapter says, that he, he looked upon his creation and he saw that it was good. And so what he's done is he's divided sort of earth and sea. He's created day and night. He's, um, he's set trees on the ground and he's brought fish to the sea. He's done all of these good and beautiful things that, that we see around us. And he arrives at, at what is probably his, his, his ultimate creation in, in man. And he says, let us make man in our own image. And so, and so he create, and it says that he does so. So he cre- he creates man in his own image. He looks at man. He says that this is good. And then he gives man one thing to do. In which really a lot of other things are wrapped up. But he says, "Let them have dominion over the earth." So so here here we go. This is this is sort of the the presupposition of 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 what uh, of what we believe that God has done. He creates all things good. He creates all things perfectly. They, it's his creation, right? He, he owns it because he made it. It belongs to him. And then he, he tells the man to have dominion over it, to rule over it, to do what? To, to steward it. That's what he tells him to do. He says, he's going, you're, you're going to have dominion over the earth. You're going to care for the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the creatures of the sea. I have given you dominion over them. Go and rule in my image. Right, so, so that's the task. That's, that's the created order. Like if you, if you live and draw breath, this is what we were originally created to do, to, to steward the earth for God's glory, that we would bear his image to the very ends of the earth. Now, what we have to then begin to see, though, is that wrapped up in all of that, we've not only been given one task, but we've been given, again, a, a, a varied amount or, or, or many different kinds of grace in this creation, right? So, so God, what he doesn't do is send us down and sort of then say, okay, the rest is up to you, figure it out. But that he goes on to provide rain and to provide seasons and to provide food for us with which to subsist on. He provides... Um, all of these different things in creation. And ultimately what he provides is relationship, communion, communion with himself, right? So, so here's what we understand. If, if common grace is God's goodness towards all people, in the beginning, when God created all things perfectly, he showed his grace perfectly to all people. Now, this may sound confusing to us because here's the thing. If, you, if you've read any amount of the Bible, at least Genesis, you get to chapter 3 and you recognize that something kind of strange happens. 
that, that we actually forsake the created order and rather than glorifying God, we say, I'm going to glorify myself. And that that's, that's where sort of the, the human condition that we experience today begins. We call that the, the fall. And so a lot of us like to, when we talk about this idea of the grace of God, whether you're, whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer, more often than not, that has been painted to you as simply the gospel, meaning that Jesus came, lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, died the death that you should have died, but then rose in victory and gave you his grace and his mercy, right? So, so that's what we think. Often we look at grace as there has been a transgression and it's been pardoned of me. But, but what I would want for us to see and what we mean by common grace and what we see in Genesis 1 is that God's ways have always been gracious. That he's always been a, a God of grace. That in all of his ways, he is gracious. In all of his ways, he is loving and kind and merciful. Even prior to the fall. That, that all that we experienced, even in the perfection of this life, was given by God. That, that Adam had the grace of companionship with Eve. That Adam had the grace of being able to obtain food. That Adam had the grace of, of care and mobility and, and all of these different things that were lavished upon Adam as a reflection of God's grace. So here, here's what I'm asking you to do, essentially, as we, as we look at this idea of common grace and then being able to steward it. What I'm asking you to do is, yes, absolutely remember the gospel, which is the fullest expression of God's grace, right? That that's how he's, he's shown it sort of uh, to, end, to end all things. He's shown his grace perfectly in the gospel. But what I would hope for us to do and see is that even in the smallest sort of mundane little objects of your life, the, 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 tooth, the toothpaste that you used to brush your teeth this morning, that in all of those things, God is revealing his common grace to you. That you have all of those because they have come from God. That everything which you experience that is to your benefit, that is to your good, is God's grace towards you. And, and we see this sort of most profoundly in Romans, which oddly enough, we're going right back there after having been there for 21 weeks. But we see this perfectly in Romans in which it, it tells us that we, ha we have been shown the grace of God, that the heavens declare his glory, that as we look at nature, we see the grace of God extended to us, shown to us, revealed to us, even apart from Christ. And, and it tells us in Romans that, that the biggest problem is not that we haven't been shown grace, it's that, we've, it's that we haven't acknowledged it. It says, it says that we suppress the truth by our unrighteousness. So God has revealed himself not, not just in the gospel, but he's revealed himself in all things, in the heavens, in the sky, in the, in the earth, in everything that walks on, on the earth, in the relationships that we get to enjoy, in the food that we get to intake, in all of the things that you and I have the pleasure of enjoying in our time here, that all of those have proceeded forth from, that, from the hand of God. That's, that's common grace. And it's been something that God has given ever since the beginning. That God's grace was being shown even when the, when the world was perfect, even when the world was good, as God says it was good. 
So that's, so that's common grace that we see in creation. The next, the next point that we're going to go to is God's common grace um, in, in the fall. Common grace in the fall. So here's the thing. Uh, a lot of us would say, um, if God created all things perfectly, and, and we're the ones that messed it up, at that point, God sort of has a right to turn aside and say, I'm done with it. Or let's just sort of wipe it out and start over. And yet, what we will begin to see, and my hope is that we'll begin to see, that God's common grace, meaning his goodness to all people, continues even after the fall. Right? So, so here's what we can't do. We can't say, okay, God's common grace was present in creation because every, everyone was good, but now it is no longer because there's bad people. No, that, that God actually shows his goodness to all people at all times in all places in varying different ways for his glory. And so we'll, we'll have a look at that um, here and now. We're going to go to uh, actually a, a verse, um, well, a set of verses in the Old Testament. Um, we're going to be in Daniel 2, so if you want to head there, you can. If not, I'm going to read it for you anyway. Um, but Daniel 2 uh, is, is where we'll be, and we'll be there in verses 20 through 23. And it says this, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. We're going to pause there for a second. So here's, here's what we see. This is, this is Daniel, and, and just so you know, this, this happens after the fall in Genesis. So Daniel is, is living in a broken world. He's actually a part of a people that have been taken captive, right? So he's, he's part of the nation of Israel. He's been taken captive by the Babylonian Empire at this point. And, and they do all kinds of weird things to kind of indoct- try to indoctrinate him and things like that. But... Uh, that's not ultimately what, what we're getting at. What I want us to do, though, is understand how Daniel sees what he's been given from God. Okay, so, so again, remember, he's, he's a, a person that sort of by, by earthly standards, meaning um, if we were to be put in his situation, meaning we're in captivity in another nation, um, just kind of living under, uh, under the, the, the graciousness of that nation, that, that we would be kind of upset about that. Like that, that wouldn't be a, a place in which we would say God is gracious. That would, be, that would be a place where most of us probably would like to start sort of our list of complaints. And God, if you were fair and God, if you were just, these things would be true, but they're not, so you must not be. But, but Daniel says a few things here, and, and there's, there's a few things that I want us to see um, from this. I want us to begin to name really what are some different ways that God shows his goodness to all people, right? So, so beyond just the grace of the gospel, what are some ways that God shows his grace to all people, even in the fall, even in a world which is imperfect, even by our own standards, much less God's standards? So he says this in verse 21, it says he changes times and seasons, he changes times and seasons. So Daniel's talking about God and he says he changes times and seasons. And here's the thing. Most of you are probably thinking, well, I mean, that's just something that happens. 
right? Like that's not something that you and I sort of noticeably go, well, we don't really have that many in Houston, first of all, but um, that's not really something that we go and look at and, we, and really we, we thank God for. And yet the seasons are not only what bring a change in temperature, they're what bring the ability to grow food. They're what bring our ability to, to uh, sort of enjoy all that the earth has to offer. Like, so it's God that does those things. It's not just sort of a, a scientific, like, this is something that happens because the earth turns a, to a certain degree towards or, or away from the sun. But that, that God actually holds that thing up, that he upholds his creation, and that because of times and seasons, you and I get to, again, enjoy his common grace in all of the things that those seasons provide for. Seasons of life, seasons of death, so that new life can be had. What's the next thing that he says? It says he removes kings and sets up kings. Right? So, so God, God gives us government. And many of you think that's not a gift. Um, but uh, only, only a few people got that. Um, but so he gives us government, which if you've ever sort of seen humanity operate apart from government, you know that it actually is to some degree a gift. Because, again, Romans will tell us that God's, that God's law, to some degree, is set upon our hearts. And that he's given governments in order to restrain sort of the, the, the advancement of our sin. That as we come together in sort of a communal setting, not even just a Christian community, but as a community of humanity, that, that God has shown us his grace in allowing us to interact even at some level apart from our most base desires. That God is the one who does that. So that, so that no matter which, which way you vote or sort of how all that stuff works out, that, that, that God is the one that is sovereignly orchestrating those things. And that he's doing it in order to show us grace. What are some other things? He, he gives wisdom to the wise. And he gives knowledge to those who have understanding. And so here's the thing. Daniel's, Daniel's not just talking about knowledge or the wisdom of the gospel, right? Because that's, that's going to come a little bit later on in, in the story. He says he, he gives wisdom and he gives knowledge. So what does that mean? That means that, means that all of these things that, that we maybe look at from more human terms, like, like science or, or medicine or the ability sort of to understand logic and rational thought and the ability to discern sort of relationship, all of those things, that, that God is the one who gives those. So, so if, there's, if there's medicine to be had, it's because God has given wisdom and knowledge so that it would be given. So if there's, if there's scientific law to be seen, if there's, if there's beauty to be observed, it's because God has given it in order for us to do that and that that is his goodness being released upon all peoples at all times. So do you see that? You don't, you don't have to be a, a Christian to benefit from the, from the common grace of God. And that if we even look at sort of the progression of, of human thinking, of human culture, that we see that actually his common grace is continually expounding upon itself. Which should, which should sound somewhat weird to us. It should sound somewhat weird to us because um, although he continues to show us more and more grace, we continue to show him more and more disdain. 
So, so at that point, what we have to begin to ask ourselves is, is, is God being wasteful with his grace? And the answer to that is no. The answer to that is no, because in all of his ways, he is gracious. In all of his ways, he is gracious. So what are some, what are some other things that, that he's really, that he's given to us? Um, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Well, we know now that in the gospel that he has revealed that to us. He's revealed deep and hidden things. He's revealed to us his son finally and fully. And he's shown us the, the, the fullness of that grace. And then ultimately in all of these things, the common grace of God is probably best expressed in 2 Peter 3. He says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So here's the thing. God, God's common grace is displayed to us in a million different things. A million tiny different little things. What I'm hoping is that we'll catch just a glimpse, a, a, a piece of that. Because I think that that will then begin to inform how we steward it. But his common grace, meaning his goodness to all people, is most clearly revealed in the fact that he has a favorable disposition towards us, meaning he's, he's for us, not against us. And this is, this is even, hear this, this is even if you are not a Christian in the room, what does is, what is 2 Peter 3 say? He doesn't wish that any should perish. So there's no man, no woman, no child that God looks at and says, I can't wait to give you what you deserve. He desires that none should perish. His common grace, his goodness to all people is most revealed in that that he desires that none should perish. And he desires that none should perish to the degree that he would send his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the, the, the common grace of God has been revealed to us in many different ways. So here, here's what I want us to begin to do. And this will be kind of our, our, our final point where we get into talking about what it looks like to steward the common grace of God. Meaning if we understand that God's common grace is, is a very holistic thing, meaning pretty much name anything that you feel like you own or belongs to you. And if we recognize that that is, that is the common grace of God, what does it then look like to steward that for God's purposes, right? Because if we go back to Genesis chapter one, what were we created to do? We were created to enjoy, to bask in God's grace and then to rule or to have dominion in that image, in the image of his grace so that God might be glorified from every corner of the earth. That's what we were created for. And so if, if you are a Christian in the room, if you have been redeemed by the grace of God, if you've been shown the saving grace of God in Christ Jesus, the question we then have to ask ourselves is how do we, how do we get back? How do we steward the common grace of God? How do we begin to look at all of the things that we own for what they truly are, which is something that is His? that all things are by him and through him and for him, and that we've been given them for a season 
for a time. Because we're stewards. We're stewards. We're people who care for another person's belongings. All of which belong to God. So, um, I think we see probably the, the, the best example of it um, in what Daniel says in verse 23. And he says this, To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and now have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. So what, is, what does Daniel do, Right? Let me give you some, some more story on Daniel. So Daniel, captive uh, in, in another nation, another country, right? And the king ultimately comes to all of his people, the whole country, and he says, look, I've had this dream. I need somebody to explain it for me because I don't get it. And they sort of parade magician after sort of different kind of clairvoyant person by, and none of them can tell, tell him what it means. And it comes to Daniel, and, and Daniel asks the Lord, and, and the Lord tells him what, what the dream means. Right? The, the Lord answers that request, and he gives him the wisdom. He gives him the words to say to the king, and, and the king ultimately ends up saying, yes, that's exactly what it means. He, he recognizes that. But what does Daniel do in the wake of that? Right? Because... Because at that point, what, what's happened is, is that Daniel has, has received wisdom. It's wisdom that's been affirmed by the person who's received it. Right? And so in that moment, he has, he has one of two opportunities. He can, he can grasp onto the glory for himself. Or he can, he can attribute that glory, that grace, ultimately, to, to the person who gave it to him. Right? Like, like those, are, those are his two options. And, and more often than not, in our lives, those are our two options as well. So here's what we can do if we want, if we want to steward the grace of God. There's really, I think there's two, two things um, that this leads us to do. Number one, it leads us to look at our things in, in, in the proper light. And so rather than looking at our things as a way to justify us, which is, which is more often than not what we do, we begin to look at them as a means by which we can attribute glory and worth to God. Right, so here's the thing. Here's, here's probably what, whether, whether we would admit to it or not, what our inner dialogue might look like on, on most days. Right, so if I, if I have this certain paycheck, it's because I've worked hard to get it. If I have good food on the table, it's because I've worked hard to provide it. If I have good medicine to cure my ills, it's because we live I live in a society, a place in which that has been made available to me. Right? We can begin to look at sort of all of these things that we have, all of these things that we feel like we own, and attribute the glory from those things to ourselves. Like that's, that's sort of the, the, the posture of our hearts. And yet what Daniel does... He says to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. Substitute anything in there that you could possibly think of that you might think is yours. You have given me food. You have given me clothing. You have given me family. You have given me breath. You have given me all of these things have been given to us by God. And so with that, 
Daniel says he gives thanks and he gives praise where? To where it's due, not to himself. You see, so, so many of us would be much more quick to give credit to ourselves because we know that there's a deficit there. And yet the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of being part of the people of God is that that deficit has been met for you. That deficit has been met for you, so you don't have to try to cram all these other things into that deficit that ultimately end up never filling it. No, you have the gospel, which fills it all. And so everything that that we then hold, we're free. Rather than holding it like this, we can hold it like this. And know that we have been given God's common grace to steward well for his glory. So that's the first thing that that stewarding God's common grace does, is it it, it causes us to look at all things in their right place, meaning everything is a gift from God. The second thing that it allows us to do is to engage with the ideas of our time, knowing that ultimately, again, all these things, all wisdom, all knowledge, all authority, all of these things have been given by God, from God, for us, for His glory. So this this changes some things because here's the thing. Traditional Christian thought has been, right? Once you learn about Jesus, you need to stop learning about the things of the world because they'll taint you and they'll corrupt you. Now, to to some degree, uh, we may have experienced that. But when we begin to understand that, that... that God's common grace is being, showed, being shown to us in knowledge, in wisdom, in those things. We can begin to look at science not with fear anymore, but with reverence for God. We can begin to look, with the, look at the ideas of our time, the, 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 the sort of the logic, the rationale, all of those things, and we can look at that wisdom and that knowledge, again, not as something to be disdained, but as something to be put in its right place, something to be stewarded for the glory of God. Meaning if I know these things, it's to bring glory to God through them. If I've been shown these things, it's to bring glory to God by showing them to others. Right, so, so what we begin to see is, is rather than being um, Christians who are not only not in the world, but are sort of completely and wholly removed from the world, we can be that people that is in the world, but not of it. Right? Because see, the, the chief problem in, in Romans chapter 1 is not that we're not smart enough, that we haven't been shown enough, that God hasn't revealed himself enough, It's that we misappropriate all of those things that God has given us. Right? That's that's what he says. He says that we knew the truth about God, but we we refused to acknowledge him as such, as God. Like that that that's sort of our ultimate problem. That that's the problem that happened in Genesis 1, where it was like, hey, if you eat this thing, you can be like God. And we said, cool, I would like that. And at that moment, we denied the truth about God and we exchanged it for a lie, which is that we're God or that we can be like him. And it's the same issue in in all of the things that we possess, all of the things that we try to hold on to. We look at those things and say to them, these are things which I can control. These are things which I can attach to myself, which give me worth, which give me value, which um, which give me justification. And none of them do. 
So here's the thing. Um, it, it's not necessarily in, in, in having any of these items when we begin to look at sort of the more specific part of stewardship. But it's in, it's in how we use them. Because by how we use them, we can either display our glory or we can display God's glory. And the truth is that you were created purposed in order to show His, not yours. And so here's the thing. If we begin to look at common grace, if we begin to look around us, we will become a people that are, that are thankful like Daniel is thankful. We will, become, we will become a people who begin to look at even the small, the mundane things in life and say, that is a grace and mercy of God. Did you wake up this morning? It's a grace and a mercy of God. His goodness revealed to you. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, that is the goodness of God being shown to you. It's His common grace. And so then we can say, just as James 1.17 says, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. This is, this is what we're called to do. And so if you take one sentence out of this, of this entire gathering, or, or at least this sermon, it would be this. Stewarding common grace means we attribute its presence among us to its source. Stewarding common grace means we attribute its presence among us to its source. We give credit where credit is due. We give glory to God because he's given us all things. And all of that that we have is a gift of his grace, a gift of his mercy. Let's pray.